that it makes sense because I'm starting my period. Okay. But it's like, it's like if we, if I know it's coming, then I can prepare. So I now literally every single thing that I do, like I climbed that mountain yesterday because I'm ovulating and I, we planned it that way. I was like, I am not going to try to do that when I'm in the, you know, last week of my cycle, like the last, you know, day 23, like that's the worst time for me to even interact with people. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Today's episode is sponsored by Amy from Rebel Nutrition. You can catch her in episode 104. She's the creator of Online Course Academy and is hosting a free masterclass that teaches how to create a profitable online course that brings in 5K a month, even if you're starting from zero. I've been watching Amy for years now. She's had the opportunity to throw out many courses out there, but the one that seems to be the mainstay that's there all the time that I've seen her do really well with is her online course academy. I've known several people to go through this course and I've watched them just soar with success. So we're super excited to dive into it ourselves and I hope that if you guys are interested in making your own course and learning how to get it out to your audience and build as you go too, this is a great way to start. In this training, you'll learn the number one reason most online courses fail. It has nothing to do with the size of your Instagram following, how to make a 5K month or more from your online course, and a precise calculation for how big your audience needs to be. Also, how to grow your audience while simultaneously building your course. And also, why you don't need to be an expert before selling it. This also gives you a good insight on how to sell your course online and how to generate buzz and excitement around your course topic to get as many students enrolled as possible without paying for ads. Most people have concerns about creating their own online course, like what would I even create an online course about? How do I build an audience and who wants to even buy my course? Why would anyone listen to me when there are so many experts out there? How would I launch or even market this to a tiny audience? Would anyone even buy? What about all the tech stuff? Videos, worksheets, audio lessons? Oh, the overwhelm. And what about the logistics? Coming up with content, deciding which information to share, and can courses really create enough income for me to live off of? You know, OCA will walk you through every single one of these fears step-by-step using video, audio, and done-for-you email scripts, and even design templates to make your slides and other supplemental course materials to make sure your students get results. If you want to join, text online course academy, one word, no spaces, to 44222. Again, text online course academy, one word, no spaces, to 44222 where you'll receive a link to join the free training. We'll also link to the sign-up page in the show notes. 
All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. I am so honored to be graced with my beautiful friend, Sharon Bailey, who is a women's well-being educator and CEO of the Glow Emporium. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I I feel like this has been a long time coming and you and I have had very very juicy and very long conversations together for a couple of years now. Uh, I met Sharon through Beauty Counter, of all things, and I feel like that's a story for a lot of the professionals that I do business and life with these days, which I think is really cool, and it shows who's attracted to that that business, which I'm really proud of that. Um, but today, we are going to kind of dig into some things that we've talked about on the podcast previously but really not given full time and value that it deserves, which is kind of leaning into working with your body rather than against it when it comes to your cycle. So ladies, women, if you identify, if you bleed, this, this podcast episode is for you. <laughs> but I'm excited to, to talk to you about this because this is something I've learned a lot about from you and um, following the things that, that you're sharing and content you're creating with the Glow Emporium upcoming. I'm really excited for that. And then you also have a podcast called Unrefined She so with true. our friend uh-huh. Liz Winters. And I've listened to the first few episodes and I got to tell you, I'm already, I'm hooked. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if this is true for you, but as a as a content creator in the podcast arena, I actually don't listen to a lot of podcasts Mm -hmm. because you just kind of get in this space where, I mean, it ebbs and flows for me. Sometimes I'm, you know, really on it. And sometimes I'm like, no more podcasting because I'm already doing so much podcasting over here. Um, But I'm really enjoying listening to your podcast and I'm excited to continue to listen. So thank you for, for jumping into that and creating a, a safe space for education there. Thank you. Oh man. I love podcasting. I love it. Um, it, it worked out so well because I, I'd been wanting to podcast for about two years and I just kept putting it off and putting it off because it was a little daunting (laughs) and work. Yeah. And initially I wanted to do, um, the birthland podcast, which was my birth based podcast because I was in the birth work at that time. And it just never quite gelled. I just couldn't quite find the person I wanted to podcast with. You know, I needed somebody who is as driven as I am. Um, and so I, the week I decided like, this is the week I'm going to do this podcast. It's going to happen. I was literally like messaging you and some other colleagues of mine who's like, who are in the well-being world and whose professional advice I highly, um, admire. And I was like, I don't know, do I want to focus this way or this way? And in the process of this, Liz, my podcast partner is messaging me and she's like, uh, Hey, so have you started this, that podcast you were talking about doing? And I was like, well, actually, I really want to get your opinion on this. And why do you ask? And she's like, well, (laughs) I'm having my podcast partners transitioning out and I would really like to work with you. And I was like, oh my God, best case scenario. Yes, absolutely. And she's like, and let's rebrand it because she was doing like birth and post-birth. And, uh, and I was like, great, because I don't really actually want to talk about birth and post-birth all the time. Like, you know, there's more in my, uh, repertoire of interests than, than that. And so, um, 
Well, so your anyway, interest she was, and your expertise, both. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and she was totally on board. And so here we are. We're, uh, and we spent quite a bit of time. We actually have a whole episode on the name choice. Um, but really like looking at the name Unrefined She. Um, and I think one of her friends said it best that, um, you know, pronouns are self-elective. And so yeah. the idea of the she is, was really important, really like foundational for us. So um, that and we're not very refined. <laughs> so. If you like this podcast, you will like their podcast. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we are uh, marked explicit for a reason. Uh-huh. Uh, although I don't think you could ever do a podcast with Liz and not have an explicit rating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> expletives are part of our vocabulary, Liz and I. And I, I love how freely the two of you can speak and deliver value, but also be really entertaining. <laughs> and I think, I think that's where it's at. I mean, when you're trying to formulate and bring people, personalities, concepts together for a podcast, it's hard to understand, you know, really what your audience is going to be, unless you're crystal clear on that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, everything evolves over time as to what we're interested in, where our our interests and our education leads us. Mm -hmm. And it's the really fun thing that I've seen being on the consumer end of podcasting is that I, I mean, the balance bites podcast is a really good example of this for me. If you guys don't know what that is, I talk about on the podcast probably at least once a month. Um, but it's like the first kind of nutrition podcast that I glommed onto. Well, you'll notice if you go back and listen to, you know, episode after episode of this podcast, eventually Diane Sanfilippo and Liz Wolf, the, the host of that podcast moved from this space of, um, nutrition education, answering Q and a focusing really heavily on like kind of a paleo framework to, you know, several years later, I think six years later, it's like 400 episodes, um, you know, talking about self-development and personality and business and marriage and parenting and all sorts of different things that they never talked about in the beginning of that podcast, because, you know, this is the things that you create. It's a living, breathing thing that moves with you over time. And I think the cool part about podcasting is that your audience gets to know you so well that they're on that journey with you. And sometimes they're in the same space, like on the same journey as you, which is really cool. And maybe just like a few steps behind and they get to learn from you as you share just your personal experience. So anyways, all of that to say, I love to hear how the podcast, you know, both like the concept for you of Birthland and then, you know, Beyond Birth, which was the podcast that Liz had with her colleague Jenny before you jumped in and, and things kind of changed to see that change over time as we kind of dedicate ourselves to different subjects. So that's so I'm so excited for you guys. Yeah, thanks. It. Yeah, you I guys mean, think- go subscribe to Unrefined She and listen. First of all, listen to the episode about not fighting your body and, and leaning into your cycle and period power. I love it so much. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that came up for, and thank you. Yes, please subscribe. We, we love our listeners so much and we'd love to have you as our listeners as well. Um, we, one of the things like, I think that you were touching on with balance bites is like when, when we start off very passionate about something, right? Like our, whatever it is that we're working on in life, our life work, I, I started to notice like, okay, I'm moving out of postpartum. So I was in the birth world. I was a child. I am a childbirth educator. I was attending births as a doula, and as I started moving away from that, 
I'm like, okay, so what's next? What can I offer next for people as I move with them through life, right? And as I'm moving through my own life. And and part of, you know, this life work of of being a women's health educator um, or well-being educator, you know, I'm I'm practicing everything that I'm teaching about in life and I'm starting to just fold it in. And, and I could see that with like balanced bites, like as they're starting to see how everything is affecting, you know, it's a holistic look at life as opposed to just like, here is health, here mm-hmm. is business, here is home life. Like they're all intertwined. So I, I just don't see, um, for me, how I could disconnect them <laughs> and talk individually about them. I mean, they're just so interconnected. And, and that was something that, you know, Liz and I both agreed on with, the podcast is that we just want to talk all things women's well-being. I love that. Tell me a little bit about the, like, why, and you just corrected yourself even in your sentence, like, why you veer away from talking about maybe women's health instead mm-hmm. of women's well-being. Yeah, um, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> I know. Um, so it, it actually initially started with um, my, so our business coach, well, I, she used to be your business coach. I don't think she is anymore, but my business coach, Brianne Wick, who's been oh, on She's here. my perpetual business coach. Yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> um, Brianne Wick of Brave Fear. She's been on your podcast a couple of times, right? Yep. I'll um, link the episodes in the show notes for everybody. Yes, please do. Uh, she's the best. Um, you know, we, we were sitting down and talking and she was trying to help me kind of figure out and narrow down like a great business coach does. And she said, why don't you just ask your people what they think about X, Y, and Z? And so I was asking my audience, I guess that's the word I want to use for them. Um, what my community, I don't like the, you know, my, you don't followers. like any of the standard words, I which don't. is why we're having this conversation. This is and everything I love it. language is so I, important to language me. Language is very <laughs> important. And I think mm-hmm. we're all realizing just how important it is mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this, you know, surgence of human rights issues of, you know, the black lives matter movement. Mm-hmm. We're starting to understand cultural appropriation of the words mm-hmm. that we use, which there's a lot in the wellness space. Holy oh my gosh. shit. Oh my and gosh. And I think it's important that we start mm-hmm. to understand, you know, where our language comes from and how we can change. And obviously language is like the bare minimum that you can do with your time and effort, by the way. But it's right. a good place to start. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not here to be an influencer. Like, I'm an educator. I'm not an influencer. I have a community. I don't have followers. Like, that's... Yuck. Yuck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and can we just have a minute to acknowledge the fact that men are never called influencers? Mm-hmm. What the f men are never called influencers it's always women who are like oh you have this soft career as like an influencer and let's be real like there are folks out there who just like got famous and are influencers like every contestant of the bachelor or the bachelorette right (laughs) but (laughs) but i you know there are those of us out there who are like we work really hard we're educating Mm -hmm. we're providing value we're finding ways to connect like we're creating resources we're giving things away for free constantly Mm -hmm. and we're not influencers we are educators and we Mm -hmm. have a community we don't have an audience i love that yeah i love that 100 percent. yeah yeah exactly and you know so she was she was saying like okay why don't you reach out to your community and see what they feel about you know certain words and so I did um a really like pretty solid market research with my community and 
There was such a mixed bag of responses to wellness and holistic. And it Mm. was like everybody who was in the nutrition space was like wellness is overplayed. And everybody, I have a, a quite a community of people who are like acupuncturists, naturopaths, et cetera. And they were all like, oh, I really like wellness, but holistic is totally overplayed. And so, (laughs) which I thought was really interesting because initially I was looking at the idea of holistic wellness. And then I was like, well, what does that even mean? Like, to me, that's still not like wellness is such a a washed out term. And Mm. for me, for me personally, that's how I associate it. And for me, I'm like, I want to look at the, the overall being. Okay. And so as a yoga teacher, so I have a background in yoga, um, childbirth educator, my degree is in art education. Like my whole focus of my life has just been in education and just looking at, you know, the variety of modalities. I also am like, I'm not going to go back to school to like do another certification. So I don't want to be a practitioner in that sense of the word. But what I do want to look at is, um, the work that I've been doing for my own individual being is like, how, how, if I, if there's an acute problem, how do I find, you know, a practitioner? How do I know what to ask for? What questions do I need to ask? Um, you know, how can I move through life and be a well-being and feel connected, feel, uh, you know, to mind, body, soul, have that whole connection that connected to my food, but also not, um, like driven by my food choices, like, all the things. I mean, there's just so much there to being a well-being that for me, it was a no-brainer. Like, well-being is what I do mm. instead of wellness. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, well-being is, there. It's you've got that all-encompassing piece of it. And when it comes to the word health, mm-hmm. I mean supposedly, you know, health is this objective thing. I don't, you know, none of us obviously believe that it is. It's subjective. Right. (laughs) And when we look at body positivity, the word healthy really Mm. doesn't have any place there. Mm -mm. And I think it's really interesting of seeing to see, you know, the culture shift, the language shift and everything, hopefully to a much more positive place. And I think the thing is like, it is in our sphere of, uh, you know, birth educators, women's well-being educators, you know, Mm -hmm. in this space, but we step outside our bubble and shit's Mm -hmm. just the same. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll have Mm -hmm. a doctor make us feel guilty about our slightly elevated BMI, which like, what the fuck? Like BMI is, can we, haven't we figured out that this is not a thing? Like not a thing. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I remember having like a quote unquote obese BMI when I was in like almost the best shape of my life. Yeah. I was like, I'm or at least overweight. It was in the overweight right. category. But I was like, I'm sorry. Do you see my six pack? Like I don't. Which also, again, six pack doesn't mean health, right? right. Mm-hmm. I, a lot. Of, there were a lot of things happening in that body of mine. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah, I think I think it's interesting and and imperative that we start questioning, mm-hmm. um, and always, I mean, keep questioning um, these terms and kind of societal standards that are put on us in terms of health, obviously beauty, that's a whole other conversation. Oh my God, girl. So yeah, like one of the (laughs) things I was thinking about the other day is why do we say I need to get in better shape? Gross. Or good shape. Good good versus bad. Like I need to get myself in better shape. And it's like, what does that actually mean? 
you know I, what's wrong with your shape <laughs> your shape is gorgeous <laughs> like yeah. are you like what are you talking about exactly like are you, are you wanting to get your liver a little healthier like <laughs> what, what do you mean you know well and, and who I think the other layer to that too is like who are we trying to please in that right category right right? are we feeling healthy and happy are we feeling well and happy in our body when we're at a higher weight or a more shapely body um who are we trying to please you know well and what constitutes quote-unquote better again subjective right totally (laughs) it's like if you want to lose weight that's great like lose weight you know but Mm -hmm. I, I just think that people you know we uh, myself included as somebody who's always been seen as obese in the medical world or whoever is keeping tabs. I don't even know. Um, it's, I find myself saying things, my internal monologue, which I have named Becky so that I can tell her to be quiet. I, I find that if I have a name for her in my head and, and I don't really know any Beckys, so it just seemed right. But I feel like I'm just like hearing you tell Becky to like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> All the time. I tell that bitch to shut the fuck up all the time. Um, Like we said, explicit. So um, anyway, so, you know, and Becky's in my head. She's like, you know, if you only lose that 20 pounds, if you only lose that 20 pounds, when you're in better shape, when you're in better shape. And and yesterday, as I told you, Cassie, but for your listeners, I hiked a really big mountain. And when we were, it was me and a girlfriend of mine. And when we were walking, it was 4,000 feet of elevation gain over four miles. So it was an eight mile round trip. So it was a pretty hefty mountain. Um, and I was like, I just want to sit here. Like I was sitting there thinking like of all the, the women that I know, I just want to convey the message that I was feeling at the time of like, we can, our bodies are so magical and we can literally do anything. I mean, I am carrying, I am 5'5", 180 pounds walking up a mountain right now. And like, it doesn't matter what shape, you know, you're in, like it can help if you're exercising just so that you can get up that mountain. (laughs) But like, we are... So, um, we're so able, you know, like we're so, such magical beings that I think we've just been fed so much crap and it's so deep seated that, you know, that's why language to me is really important because I really want people to just evaluate the language that they're using about themselves, that their internal monologue is just sitting there like telling us over and over and over again, like, Oh, you can't do that because you need to lose 20 pounds. Oh, you can't do that because whatever it is, all the things. I feel like I'm getting on a side tangent here. (laughs) I mean, listen, we're always going to be kind of ranty. It's how we do. But I think I like it. I So I think an interesting thing to think about, too, is I... I don't feel like I really appreciated what my body could do until I gave birth. Yes. And then I was like, wow, (laughs) it just did that. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you're still, I I was personally still really stuck in this. Oh, like I got to get my body back. Mm -hmm. Even though I knew and was surrounded by incredible educators that were like, don't let that stuff get to you. You know, the body back thing, but it's been preached to you your whole life. People are always, uh, you know, congratulating people for getting back in the gym at six weeks and like doing CrossFit. That was, I mean, and that was the community I was into prior to getting pregnant. And then while I was pregnant for the first several months, and then after a little while, I was like, wow, uh, CrossFit really does not feel good when you're Mm -mm. six months pregnant or more. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of that to say, I think it took, 
I, and we, I think when we look back and we look at what like our body was capable of doing prior to birth, like, dude, I was lifting some seriously heavy weight. I was like, you know, scaling some big ass mountains, doing all sorts of crazy cool stuff with my body, but there's no appreciation there. Mm-mm. No appreciation, no like commendation, no excitement around that being able-bodiedness. Yes. And then your identity and your perspective shifts as your body changes after mm-hmm. giving birth uh, or maybe gaining and losing weight or, lo- you know, losing and gaining weight and all sorts of things. And, and once you're able to come to not a place of arrival, because it's always a continual working relationship that you have with your, with self always. But, you know, I feel like I can look back on those things now and be like, wow, my body did that. That's badass. Like that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'd like to be able to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, when we think about our fitness, you know, not like health and fitness, but like our fitness of our, what our body is capable of doing and achieving. If you look at your exercise regimen in that way, it just opens up a whole new thought process in your mind of, oh, can I focus more on like what my body is able to do Mm -hmm. rather than what my body looks like and using exercise as a way to change my body? Mm-hmm. can't I appreciate my body and and work in that space it's an interesting thing and Lucia I mean Lucia Holly talks about this a lot and you guys may know I'm I do her lean and liberated program I'm part of that program I absolutely love it I'm really getting my head right in terms of how I'm feeling about what I'm able to accomplish in a day and with my body and all sorts of things in this conversation about well-being it's such a fluid thing for us to come into a place of better understanding of ourselves and, and really like, again, working with our body versus against it. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> it was, okay. it was interesting. I was having a conversation with a girlfriend of, of mine the other day and we've been friends for many, many years. And, um, and she's a, a Chinese medicine practitioner. And so she's, she kind of taught me like understanding of my body. And so when we have body conversations, like I just really listen and, she said something like, um, I don't know how to like set a goal for my body right now. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And it was like, it, you know, in the past, and we were talking about how in the past, it was like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or I'm going to blah, 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 like whatever it is that, you know, we grew up thinking was an important thing. And again, I don't want to diminish anybody who wants to lose weight, like, I, you know, that's personal choice. But I think for in, in this conversation, we were really reevaluating as we're getting older, like what are the goals we want to set for our body? It's not a number anymore. You know, it's a, how do I nourish? How do I, um, you know, how do I push myself in a way that feels right? So for me, it was like, I, a couple, a year and a half ago, I broke my tailbone in two places. It was miserable. Um, I'm still recovering from it. It takes a very long time to, to recover from a broken tailbone. And I, uh, I finally signed up for an online yoga studio that I love. Oh my gosh. I love them so much. Ohana out of Denver. They're outstanding. Um, anyway, I, and I just, I started with restorative yoga. It was also when the pandemic hit. And so it was like, my child is home. We're all home what do I do? I, you know, I don't get to move my body until in, in the way that I want, that's not navigated by anybody else, especially a four-year-old, um, until nine o'clock at night. And by then 
I just want to lay on the ground because I'm exhausted. And so I started doing restorative yoga. And then that led into eventually being in a place where I could fold in a vinyasa practice. And now I've started doing bar and I love bar so much. And, and it's led to a place where finally now I feel like, okay, I'm going to go hike this mountain. Right. And I think like, um, you know, when, when we set these goals for our bodies, uh, or like just making these connections to our bodies of like, what, what can I do, um, that's realistic and attainable and sustainable, you know, like these are all things that like, I really like to focus on is like sustainability and attainability in my like well-being practice and my physical practice, my like what I'm eating, how I'm eating. I mean, I've spent the last number of years dealing with a lot of digestive stuff, including SIBO. And so I was on these like really regimented diets and it just got so exhausting and for me right now, it's like, I just want to eat whatever I want to eat, you know, <laughs> and just having to like know that about myself. And I think, you know, when we're looking at well-being as opposed to, for me, when I'm looking at well-being as opposed to wellness, um, I, in working with my body as opposed to like trying to force my body, I, I have to ask myself all these questions like, is it going to be mentally draining for me and emotionally draining for me if I want to stick to what my mind thinks is the right diet for me? Or can I like, like, how do I work with my body on that? How do I work with my body physically? Like, I feel like I need to be, you know, running or deadlifting or whatever. But really what my body is asking for is restorative yoga, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it's, um, for me, it's, it's been an interesting, like letting go of a lot of restrictions that my brain has thought it needs to put on my being and, and looking at like, well, what if I don't do that? What if I do this instead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's been very interesting for me going through a very similar kind of cascade obviously I didn't break my tailbone my only um, injury to my body was having a baby (laughs) it's a big one (laughs) which wrecked me like I never thought it would um and it's really I find a lot of inner turmoil in the fact that I used to teach these very restrictive diets and forms of eating and I think it's important to know like obviously temporary healing can happen through restrictive protocols mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but yes. at the same time there needs to be some healing that happens after that with your relationship with food and most of us don't go into those protocols being intensely aware of these kind of stories that we're telling ourselves around food and our body and I had a really interesting realization when you were speaking literally just now this might be kind of a vulnerable thing but I was thinking about my relationship with vegetables. This might sound like the craziest thing to people who are listening. I know you're going to be like, yep. Um, But I feel like I have this like love hate relationship with, I love vegetables. They are super tasty. I know how to prepare them to make them be absolutely amazing. Like I'm a freaking chef. I know what I'm doing here. Obviously you guys stop boiling your vegetables. Stop steam. What do you roast your vegetables already? Get it, get with it. Okay. But I, I have kind of a, when I've had this time of healing, which for me, healing my relationship with food was actually releasing all restriction. 
um, with the exception of maybe like not eating gluten because I get a headache. And even then, like I let myself kind of like have gluten a few times and I was like, oh, now I know the consequences in my body. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really want to feel that way. But also that was very delicious mm-hmm. and I didn't die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't in fact die. But like listening to kind of these stories I tell myself and we try to have this like I had associated vegetable consumption with dieting Mm. because all of the kind of dieting things I had done, whether it be keto or uh, fasting or low carb or whatever it was, it was always like, oh, eat tons and tons of vegetables. And I like to eat that way. But I had developed this kind of aversion to vegetables because I was like pissed off. Cause that's all I got to eat when I was quote unquote dieting, yes. you know? Uh-huh. And so it's been an interesting kind of several months of like working with Lucia and kind of uncovering some of this, these stories that I've kind of concocted in my mind and in my spirit of how I feel about things. And so I had like, that's something that just kind of came to me. I was like, Oh, that's the next thing I'm going to bring up in lean and liberated with Lucia vegetables. to talk about uh-huh. <laughs> my negative relationship with vegetables. Because when I eat what I want, I really don't want vegetables, mm-hmm. which is not actually true. I do love vegetables. I just don't really want to cook them. I have like this like food prep with the cooking and stuff. Anyways, mm-hmm. all of that to say, I really, um, I, I really feel you on the, like the release of the restriction and the healing that can happen in that space. And I think it's just so beautiful. And I feel a lot of inner turmoil about being someone who not pushed, but even just offered restrictive protocols to help people get in you know maybe blood sugar alignment or mood alignment or you know get their type 2 diabetes in check or whatever it is but a lot of those things were very restrictive and I didn't have a mind to work with people on their relationship with their food as much um alongside that and I think that's a really important modality to add to what you're doing Mm when you're working in nutrition it's so much more nuanced it's well-being right not totally. just well I'm, here's your what you're putting in your body I think that I'm, that's kind of the difference I think between like looking at well-being and looking at like like a practitioner's job I feel like is to address acute things and then also mm-hmm. like to have a broader spectrum you know from the holistic space of like how does it incorporate with excuse me with other parts of the body but or other parts of the being. But for me, it's like, that's not the work I'm doing. And that's why I say, like, look at the overall, the overall being. And um, I mean, practitioner's work is so vitally important. And looking at those acute things, like everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like you have the tools, the modality Mm -hmm. to help people with those exact cute, acute needs. And then, you know, maybe once they get through that work, then they're looking at a grander picture of like, okay, what is actually my relationship with food? Like, what is my relationship with exercise? So I'm working with, you know, a trainer because I want to learn how to do this thing, right? Like I want to learn how to deadlift, but what is actually like my relationship with movement in my body and how can I like look at it and from a, like a overall being as opposed to just like an acute thing. And I think like, I don't want to diminish the idea of like wellness and practitioner guided, like, um, knowledge and wisdom because I no, think it's so important. I mean, it's so been life changing yes. for me. Right. <laughs> 
I think it's so incredibly important. But for me, the work that I do, and especially like now with this whole cycle thing, which we can kind of get into here in a minute of like, um, how to work with your body as opposed to against it is like, how do I, how do I work with my strengths and like understand that there are things that I have that are strengths. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out a better word for weaknesses because I don't like the word weakness. I just think, um, but for lack of a better term at this point, strengths and weaknesses and like how, how, um, how do I move through life as a being and, you know, utilize all my knowledge, utilize my wellness toolkit, if you will, my well-being toolkit to like, to, to be a well-being and to be a whole being, you know, instead mm. of just like, I need to fit into somebody else's box because we're literally like, we're each individual humans. We have individual needs and those needs change. You know, my needs when I was pr- like pre-pregnancy, vastly different than postpartum, you know? And like, how do we incorporate the knowledge and wisdom that our body takes in? Like literally every single thing that we do is, um, our body is taking in the, that knowledge. So like the idea of like going back to your body, the way that it was, it'll never go back to the way it was, what was because it has incorporated new knowledge. And, and really it's like, how do I integrate the knowledge that my body has taken in through injury, through joy, through experience, through whatever, and continue to utilize what I have in my, in my like toolkit. And then, you know, okay, I'm missing something. What do I need to find? Like, how do I move forward? Mm, So good. There's so many things I want to unpack from what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that you had mentioned prior is this idea of sustainable and attainable wellness. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about like sustainable self-care a lot on the podcast, you know, self-care being things that it's not just like bubble baths and freaking getting your nails Mm -hmm. done. You know, it's, it's, it's doing the work, Mm -hmm. right? So for you, what does sustainable wellness mean? And what are you wanting to like teach in these kind of educational spaces that you have about sustainable wellness to your community? Yeah, good question. You know, I it's a big I one. think <laughs> for everybody it's just so different. Because what's mm-hmm. sustainable for me is not sustainable for people like I live in a rural area is not sustainable necessarily for somebody who lives in the city. Or for me, who has one child, both of us work at home, um, you know, we have access to support there is not going to be sustainable for us, say, a single mom who's working multiple jobs. So, you know, I think I've been really evaluating this question a lot because initially my answer would have been different. But now I think it's more of like, what questions can we ask ourselves and see what kind of resources that we have. Sometimes it's like, sometimes for me, sustainable well-being is not washing my face at night and just going to bed. You know what I mean? Like sometimes for me, it's eating a piece of homemade sourdough instead of cooking a ton of vegetables and taking all this time because that's the time amount of time that I have. But still, I've done all, you know, there's so much more there, like because I source my flour that I use and I make homemade sourdough and all the things, you know? So like for me, it's, it's, um, I wish I had a more concise answer for you, but I feel like I could ramble about this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so something that in the area for myself right now, just kind of in that same vein to, to give folks a relative view of this sustainable well-being for me right now looks like two nights a week getting takeout from somewhere and food that I didn't have to prepare Uh or cook. And my Josh and I were just talking about this, my husband, and 
I, and he was just like, oh, that feels like, you know, we're going to be spending a lot of money. And we just have never really done a lot of takeout. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of great options where we're at, but we have like a couple places we can go where we can get really good Thai food. That's like actually really well sourced, surprisingly. Nice. Um, and and then, you know, like a, a burger or a gluten free pizza or whatever kind of once a week. And and uh, and he was like, I don't you know, from a budget perspective, like, is that sustainable? And I was like, first of all, yes. But also <laughs> for my wellness, I need I need this white space, this headspace mm -hmm. where I don't have to think about what's going to get put on the table mm -hmm. twice a week. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make dinner instead of getting takeout that night, that's fine. You can make dinner. I'm just zero responsibility mm -hmm. for me. None. Right. So and that was an, an a area where I was like, this is something that that needs to give for me so that I can maintain some other sustainable wellness things that I'm I'm reaching for some sustainable well-being pieces, which is like getting just real basic, you guys like getting 10,000 steps a day. Totally. <laughs> like, just or 15 is what I'm shooting for. But, you know, walking in the morning and sleeping eight hours a night and things like yeah. that sometimes it's it's the most basic and sometimes and and saying oh I'm gonna try to sleep for eight hours a night right that might be sustainable for me but that might not be sustainable for someone who's working three jobs and is a single single right. mother exactly right? exactly maybe there's a six so it's yeah it's I think it's so subjective it's, just as you is. said yeah and and I I think um even pre-pandemic I would have been like well it's very easy sustainable wellness is blah, blah, blah. But now mm -hmm. it's, I, I, I just, it's changed so drastically in my mind based off of understanding other people's needs. And, um, and I think for me, sustainable well-being is, did I move my body today or do I need to not move my body today? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, did I get enough sleep or, do I, you know, can I just tell myself like, okay, maybe I didn't get enough sleep tonight, but I'll get enough sleep tomorrow night. You know, it, it, it's so much, it's, it's so vastly different than like, like you were saying, taking a bubble bath or getting your nails done. Like, yeah, those are really nice. Uh, but they're just may not be on the agenda, you know? And I think it's really more, honestly, it's really more of learning how to listen to my body and then mm. what can I do for my body and my being that that will last? Like it, like sustainability is something that can be done over, you know, an extended period of time that, that can be manageable. And and so it's not like, um, you know, and there's times like I'm thinking like I'm starting to write a book and I know like talking to people who who write books, they're, they're you know, often people get sick when they're writing, doing a big project, like a big push through writing a book, you know, and they're here, they are writing a book about wellness and they're like making themselves sick doing. It. I mean, every cookbook author, every, um, like health and wellness based offer in the uh, author in like the holistic space that I've ever talked to is like, I literally put myself into uh, adrenal fatigue. Yes. I, um, flared up my SIBO. I, you know, all these mm -hmm. sorts of different things, but I mean, put yourself into a terrible position of health and, um, more often than not, the language around the second book is I will not do right. that again. Right. right? It's kind <laughs> right? of like the, that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. If I want to keep being an author, 
this cannot be the cycle of my life. It's like the first kid versus the second kid, you know, like the first kid, you're Mm -hmm. like still trying to clean the house, still trying to make dinner, still trying to like manage life with, well, you know, when the baby's sleeping and the second kid, it's like, I'm just going to take a nap because, (laughs) because that is how I can sustain being able to care for my, my family. Like, this is why I started, honestly, this is one of the main reasons I started tracking my cycle because mm-hmm. I really strive to plan my productivity based around my cycle. And so the yeah. idea of like, you know, that's for me really the like self care, like sustainable well being mm-hmm. is like, I'm not going to, tr- nobody's trying to like harvest from yourself during your period, like during a period or during like the low time. Um, I call it like the ebb or, um, you know, um, like time when you need to go inward is like trying to grow tomatoes in the winter. Like it doesn't doesn't work. work. And so, and with our bodies, like we're so able that we can kind of force ourselves to, right. but it's not going to, it's not going to go right. well, right? We're going to put ourselves in a position where we get sick or in the long run, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Right? And so it's like, okay, if you know, you have a big thing that you're pushing for, it's like, you can plan for that and then know that at some point there needs to be rest. Mm-hmm. Otherwise there's going to be just crash and burn, burnout. Yeah, I think this is a really important conversation as entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. to start to understand, you know, obviously if you're in a kind of more traditional career and stuff, I think this is important to understand too. Like maybe when you take your extra days off and things Mm -hmm. like that, you could kind of plan that around if you have some paid time Mm -hmm. off or not. Um, But I, I think about this a lot when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I actually, I shared last week in my stories about how I was laying low during my menstrual cycle and doing some kind of like back end systems work and not really talking to anyone and all sorts of things. And my flow app, which is the tracker that I use, um, had told me like, Oh, it's your menstrual time. Focus on these things. You know, you're bleeding right now. So do this. And it was very in line with, you know, what we are are taught in this space of kind of cycle syncing mm-hmm. and learning about what we should do during each phase of our cycle. And it's so much more than that. Right. Just like you said, it's about listening to our body. Cause guess what? Every one of our cycles is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's kind of some standard advice you can take. And so I just did like a quick little poll on, on Instagram of my community that was like, Hey, have you ever tracked your cycle and planned your schedule around your cycle or your productivity around your, your cycle? And the overwhelming, I mean, it was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just a yes, no. Most everyone was like, no. And then I was like, okay, that's interesting. So I'll do a follow-up. And I was like, do you even track your cycle in the first place? And the overwhelming answer was no. And I, you know, I think that's really normal. I personally didn't track my cycle until I was trying to have my first child and um, might be my only child, by Mm -hmm. the way. (laughs) You and I have talked about Mm -hmm. that a lot. Um, But I... I, there's so much body awareness that comes with creating another human. You start to think about things you've never thought about before. It's been quite, quite a gift other than obviously the gift of having this beautiful tiny human that you Mm -hmm. love, like more than you could love anything ever. But also just being a mother, becoming a mother and allowing my body to go through that is something that's taught me. So I was so much more body wisdom because of that. And so in that initial like tracking of the cycle was really to, 
you know, get to this place where I knew when my fertile window was and I could be kind of strategic about that. Well, it turned out it only took one fertile window. <laughs> we got pregnant our first oh try. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Uh, which is, it, I mean, I guess it was <laughs> Josh, Josh was like, I thought we were going to practice for a lot longer here. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, so, um, yeah, which I mean, I hesitate to talk about too much because because I, I really want to respect and know I, so many people struggle sure. with that, that journey, but it's, that's our story. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of my first foray into it. Obviously I didn't go back into tracking my cycle until after, um, my son was born and in that process, I really didn't start to track it except just to know like, oh, is my period coming back? Because, you know, I had stopped breastfeeding and I was still pumping a little bit, but it wasn't, you know. And so anyways, long story short, I didn't really get back into tracking my cycle until I read Do Less mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, which we've talked about on the podcast quite a few times. And this idea of cycle syncing and the thought process of tracking your cycle to match your productivity or your energy flow and just like thinking about energy currency is just fascinating. And it's been one of the most liberatory processes I've ever been through. And I'm barely even scratching the Mm -hmm. surface with it, but to just know when you're going to have energy and when you're Mm -hmm. not like that, a look and why do we spend so much time acting like our period coming is like a surprise. This is something that you and Liz talked about on unrefined. She on your podcast. And I was like, I, you know, why at the age of 30 something, 34 for me, are we like still surprised every time when our period comes? Like it shouldn't catch you by surprise. Like you should know your body, but no one encourages us to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, it's so true. I am. I was writing this, um, blog post the other day about, I call it the winter, like the bleed for me is, is winter time because I, I, mm-hmm. so I, you were actually the person who turned me on to do less. And I listened, I actually bought it on audiobook, but, or I think you sent it to me. That's right. You sent it to me on audiobook. Yeah. And I listened to the first couple of chapters and I was like, okay, I got the idea. I'm going to just start applying it. Right. And so I started tracking my cycle. I actually, my, we are not having any more children. So I'm not tracking my cycle because of, um, because like we're trying to conceive or, or not, (laughs) uh, it's not for family planning. It's because I want to know what's going on with my body. And it wasn't, I think I was 36 before I realized that PMS is a week before period starts. Uh, and I'm like, (laughs) pre-menstrual, but it was like, Oh yeah, you start PMSing and then you have your period and it's like, no, that's not actually how it works. So also I hate the concept of like PMSing. Yeah. Like it being like a like a verb. Yeah. It's like happening to you instead of for right. you, right? right? Right. I know. There's so much there. <laughs> so so much. much there. So anyway, so I started tracking my cycle just to kind of see what was happening and and what I realized is um there's such a and, and I'm a homesteader, so like I homestead, we have like a farmlet here in Colorado. And so I'm watching the seasons a lot from where I am. Um, and we're also in this like really hot spot for climate change. So we're actually seeing faster the effects of climate change where I live. So, so I'm very, um, aware of seasons and I started connecting the seasons to my cycle and seeing the, you know, the monthly rhythm that, that I go through and how it's very similar to the cycles of the earth and cycles of nature. And 
Um, and it's interesting because, well, no, okay, I'll come back to that. So, um, so anyway, so no, I'm going to say it now. Okay. So one of the things that's been bothering me about this is that I, there are so many women in my life. And when I say women, I say it with an X because like I was telling you, Cassie, I feel like men only belong in women if they've been invited. So <laughs> I love that yeah, so much. So, so there's so many women in my life who are either, you know, postpartum have had hysterectomies are, you know, are not bleeding for one reason or another. Um, and, and so, but like identify with this, this cyclical rhythm that I think females tend to feel, um, pretty strongly. And so I really wanted to actually look at the idea of like, like what is our, our individual rhythm saying? And like, how does that connect, um, to, and I connect it to like seasons. So for me, um, I was writing this this blog post about winter. And it's like, before I started my winter, before I started tracking my cycle, it would be like, here I am minding my own business, walking through day to day. And it's just like basic weather outside. And then all of a sudden I'm just slapped upside the face with a blizzard. And I'm like, where the hell did this blizzard come from? And this is what I felt like every single time I'd sit down on the potty and then all of a sudden there'd be blood. And I'm like, oh, I start that makes everything makes so much sense now. Like, why? Why, why are we waiting for things to make yeah, sense? Yeah, like why, you know, uh, okay, so I might have been a little bit of a rabid bitch like that. It makes sense because I'm starting my period. Okay. But it's like, it's like if we, if I know it's coming, then I can prepare. So I now literally every single thing that I do, like I climbed that mountain yesterday because I'm ovulating and I, we planned it that way. I was like, I am not going to try to do that when I'm in the, you know, last week of my cycle, like the last, you know, day 23, like that's the worst time for me to even interact with people. Day 23 and day 24, cause I'm, I'm on a well, no, it's just changed. I was on a 24 hour or 24 day cycle. Now I'm on 26. So that's another thing is just like, I had no idea how much I fluctuated, um, in, in the amount of days that I was bleeding until I started, uh, or I mean, excuse me, the amount of days that my cycle was until I started tracking yeah. it. And it was very surprising. Well, and that's so individual as it well. Is. Like the range of kind of quote unquote normal first, which first of all, like normal and wellness is usually just a gross misappropriation right. of words but <laughs> I I mean mine is in that normal normal range too but my cycle is like 34 wow. days literally to the letter wow like I I know the day mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're getting things going but I yeah it's the the so mine is like a little bit more drawn out which is really interesting mm-hmm. Um, it's a different day every single month, which I mean, it is for you if you're at 26 days, mm-hmm. right? But it comes like sooner and sooner and sooner mm-hmm. in the month and mine goes further out. It's really interesting to think about like, yeah, I mean, man, when you said get slapped by a blizzard, I'm just like, my brain is exploding <laughs> right now. because that's exactly, that's exactly it. I mean, and I think we're so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. for not being, I don't know about you guys, but like I have, there's like a week out of the month where I'm just like, I can't be fucking productive. Mm-mm. Um, or I can't do like the networking or the interviews or the things that are like outward energy, mm-hmm. you know, that I, um, maybe need to do because I put it in my schedule, but don't actually need to do during right. that week, especially being someone who makes my own schedule. And even if you work for someone else, like you can, you can tinker with this mm-hmm. stuff, but I, I, that's such a, 
I mean, mind blowing thing for us to realize like, oh, I can actually plan ahead for this shift in energy in season, as you say, you know, the for the winter that's coming, I can put on my fucking jacket. Mm-hmm. I'll put the hood mm-hmm. up. I'll put on some better mm-hmm. shoes. I'm probably not going to talk to other people. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can protect ourselves and nourish ourselves during that time in a way that makes sense for us without having to, and again, like working with our body instead of against it, which is so cool. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. I have 80,000 questions for you on that. I think we're going to have to do another episode on cycle thinking and all sorts of like interesting stuff. But I, um, I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit and ask you, you had mentioned that your view of sustainable wellness had changed with the incidence of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What is that? Tell me more about that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I think, I think there, there's so, it became very clear our reliance on so many things, so many systems that were so fragile school, mm-hmm. the food system, I mean, the healthcare system, everything. And I think, um, and then in conjunction with that, the the social justice movement of the Black Lives Matter movement, I think also really um, brought a lot more awareness of people's accessibility to things. And I think both of those combined really brought a lot more awareness for me about what is actually attainable and what is actually Mm. sustainable for individuals, you know, instead of looking at it as a broad whole. And it's just so, it's such an individual thing. Um, Just like cycle tracking, you know, or a rhythm tracking and like applying it to productivity or work. Like it's so different. I mean, the way I'm going to apply it is so vastly different than say like, you know, an ER nurse who has to work, you know, four 12 hour shifts in a row and is barely sleeping and doesn't have time to like eat or pee because they're in their full PPE, you know, like, I mean, there's just so, I think it brought up for me the, um, the fragility of our systems and the, Mm. like, that, it really is such an individual basis. And so we can't put blanket ideas down for like what well-being is, even in the idea of sustainability. Um, yeah. It- well, and I think the thought too, that we can rely on the medical system to inform what we need to be doing to be staying well or mm-hmm. be well in the first place is hopefully completely shattered at this point, (laughs) you know, because it's just, it's not there. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like, again, that's uh, everything we talk about is an entire episode that we totally, um, okay. I just wanted to ask that quickly because I, that popped into my mind and I was just like, oh, I can't let this go. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to lean into also is, you know, you and Liz are, I know you're teaching a workshop Mm -hmm. upcoming, um, And the workshop is around like using this tracking of your body's rhythms to like come from a place of power, which, you know, I love Mm -hmm. power (laughs) and empowerment. Right. Um, But allowing that 
kind of productivity that flow to be in conjunction like our with our body's natural rhythm like we've been talking about will you tell us more about like the workshop that you're teaching and um you know who it's for yeah so we call them she shops uh those are our workshops for unrefined she um this one is actually our first which is really exciting um and so Liz is going to focus more on the nutrition side of being well and in using your hormonal rhythms um, and, and how to like nurture those. And for me, I'm going to focus more on how to use your hormonal rhythms um, to like amplify your flows and, you know, nurture your ebbs. So like when I'm in a, a place of of what I call spring or summer, like when I'm like coming out of myself and have lots of energy, like how to utilize that. And then when I need, when I'm coming in, you know, to my fall or my winter, like how, how to, to nurture myself in that space or how to nurture yourself in that space um, and how to plan for that so that you can apply it to productivity just in general in life or in business. Um, one of the things I wanted to say, um, to go back to the idea of an, as an entrepreneur, um, is, you know, one thing that Liz and I were recently talking about is this idea of when you're coming up on your winter, right. And when you're coming up on your, your ebb or your downtime, your, your period, like for her, she isn't bleeding because she's still postpartum, but she has been looking at her, body rhythms based on the moon and ours actually line up exactly, which is great. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so she's having her cycle. It's just, she's not bleeding. So one of the things I really like in this, in our workshops, we want to f- focus on not necessarily people who are bleeding, but people who are interested in tracking their rhythms and who, you know, have a hormonal flow. So, but one of the things, uh, is to go, sorry to go back. I'm like, touching on four different things at once that are coming up in my brain. Um, as entrepreneurs, when we're coming into our winter, you know, we, we fill our calendar with things, right? Because we're always trying to do, we're always trying to create, make connections, whatever. And the tendency is to fill the calendar and not really look at what's going on for you. And so for me, I was putting things during my, um, like my fall, my winter, like my, my luteal phase going into my bleed And then I was setting myself up for failure and because I would try to make myself do something where I needed to be really outward. And when I really Mm -hmm. actually needed to be going inward because that's where my strength was. And so, um, so that's something I really want to focus on in the she shop is how do you work with your strengths? I mean, I guess that's really, it is like there's strengths in being outward, there's strengths in being inward. And like, how do you look at your strengths and where they fall in your, your like monthly rhythm and how do you plan accordingly? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, the idea of tracking uh, with like the, your lunar rhythm as well, I think it's fascinating. And so, I mean, it's so important for those folks who like are not bleeding to have access to something mm-hmm. that's still going to tell them what's happening with their body and how their body is following that rhythm. And I think the other thing interesting to note too, is like some people track with the new moon and some people track with the full moon with their Mm -hmm. rhythm. And that's really cool. I mean, there's so many moving pieces and parts that are absolutely fascinating, but, um, I, I'm so excited that you guys are doing this workshop. The moment you said it, I was like, that's what I've been waiting for. (laughs) 
Yes. Yes. Because I loved, I loved Kate Northrop's book. I love the do less concept. I think that's wonderful. Um, I like you like read the first couple of chapters and was like, okay, I can put this yeah, in action. Totally. <laughs> and then it started a process, but now there's like this, um, it's less like hyper-focused on, you know, what we do during each cycle. And that's a nice thing to be informed about, um, or each part of our cycle, I should say, but like the softening and just overall, again, like this holistic understanding of, myself as a being who cycles through a cycle maybe 12 to 13 times a Mm -hmm. year and and understanding like oh I can go into that from a place of knowledge and empowerment Mm -hmm. rather than like just being slapped in the face with my period every totally and then being like why can't I do anything and and just lacking that um motivation and drive and productivity to do the things that are you know just happen to be on my schedule Mm -hmm. and I think that's so interesting um, will you give us like a little teaser before we sign off today on what someone might want to do in each phase of their cycle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will do this based off of my personal experience because, you know, I think it's kind of like, like with the Enneagram, like you can't type somebody else. It's the same of like, nope. I can't tell you exactly like what you need to be doing with your time based off of all the things we've talked about, but, uh, I'll Mm -hmm. give you an idea of like how I, how I work through my season. So in winter, in my period, um, when my period, when the bleed first happens, like the first day of my bleed, I schedule nothing if I can, like literally nothing. Then the next couple of days of the bleed, mine is so short. My bleed to it through follicular. So follicular is the next phase, which is spring, um, that I get a lot of clarity. So when winter for me is like clarity, then spring moving from the bleed into my follicular phase, which is, I consider spring is, um, the idea of like planning, um, And so I start generating tons of ideas. I get a lot of clarity and then start generating ideas. So that's when I, um, if I have a project I want to work on, if I've got something that's been sticking around and I haven't really been able to come up with an idea to like get it to flow that I really focus there. So I usually give myself a few days as an entrepreneur that, you know, I can schedule my own time a few days to really just focus on planning, idea generation, um, you know, how do I want to move ahead with this? Then I start moving into summer. And and I actually divide it into two different sections. There's like early summer and late summer. That's in my ovulation and into luteal. Um, and in my early summer, it's like, think summer solstice, very long days, Um, everybody's outside where, you know, kids are out of school, everybody's playing. Um, it's like the days never seem to end and the nights are always very short. Um, so I do like all my podcast interviews, all my podcast recording. Anytime I'm going to be in front of a camera, like I batch work all of my, like anytime I'm going to be very out of myself, like in, in front of Mm. people, that's early summer. Then late summer, which is when I start moving, it's like kind of in between ovulation and PMS, is um, I start bringing it back in. Uh, if I need to like plan outward things, I can still plan it then. It's 
I know for me, like I have the ability to still be outward, but I am definitely moving more inward. Um, and so like in, you know, as opposed to, or, uh, in regard to homesteading or growing things, late summer is when you begin to harvest. And so we're start, I'm starting to pull these um, ideas out and then take them into like the kitchen of my life <laughs> and process them to store them away. So like in Kate Northrup's book, she talks about like in the luteal phase, that's when you start like doing like your accounting, you're, you're dotting your I's and you're crossing your T's, right? You're like wrapping things up. Um, and then after PMS, I, uh, I'm moving into the later part of my luteal phase. Like, I feel like that's more like fall when I'm like putting, you put your garden beds to rest, right? Like you're kind of wrapping things up to get ready for winter because we know the cold is coming. We know we're heading back into our roots. We know we're going into that time of like needing quiet internal. Um, and then I have what I consider the last two days of my cycle, which are the two days where I don't need to talk to anybody. It is really good if I just (laughs) keep everything to myself. I get a little bitchy, like everything is just, I I get overwhelmed. And that's my, when I know, um, I started watching myself when I was working and I would get to a place where I normally could work through something and it just got so overwhelming. And, and so I would just, you know, put my, my work materials down and like, go back into my home because I work in an office in my garage and just be like, okay, for the next couple of days, I'm just going to like do things around the house. I'm going to clean. I'm going to hang out with my kid. I'm going to like go for walks. I'm just going to take her easy. Um, and those are my last two days. And then I bleed and I know it's coming because I track my cycle and, and I, you know, take my first day of my bleed and then I start getting clarity on things. So everything that felt very overwhelming three days before all of a sudden becomes very clear. And then the ideas start flowing on how I can work through it. And then the cycle continues. I love that so much. What a practical, juicy thing to walk through at the end of this. So friends, if you want to learn how to do this for yourself, And your body, you need to sign up for this she shop with Liz and Sharon over at Unrefined She. I'm so excited Yay. for you Thank guys. Thank you. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. This is amazing. Okay. Well, obviously, I'm sure I'm just going to speak for all of our listeners at this point. They love it. They want more. So you're going to have to come back to the podcast and talk more about mm-hmm. this. Um, and I mean, you and I, obviously, we can we can talk all day, every mm-hmm. day. Um, I will put the information for everyone to register for this she shop in uh, the show notes. It's on October 24th. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Do you have a time? Um, time yes, yet? I believe it's 10 o'clock PST. Okay. 10 a.m. PST, friends. Mark it in your calendar. Get it going. And it's all about period power for productivity and well-being. Sharon, thank you for being on the podcast Thanks, this week Cassie. and taking the time. We, we love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.